This is the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where you will learn how to tear down the mental barriers to success and health and build up a stronger you. In these podcasts, Dr. Tim Murphy offers you the tools for recovery and surviving and thriving after trauma. There is a pathway to healing, and he does this through faith and psychology. Dr. Tim Murphy, bringing healing to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. Welcome. As another school year comes to a close and children get their final report cards, it's fitting to give our schools a grade as well. The last few years have been very difficult for education. Students graduating this year lost several weeks of school in 2020 because of the pandemic. In March 2020, 124,000 U.S. public and private schools were closed, affecting 55 million students. Schools were not ready to provide an education while children were at home. Even when schools tried to reopen with cyber classrooms, only 30% of teachers said they interacted with their students daily, 50% interacted weekly, and Even when schools tried to reopen with cyber classrooms, only 30% of teachers said they interacted with their students daily, 50% interacted weekly, and 13% said they only interacted once or not at all. Many rural schools had little or spotty internet access. Children in low-income areas had no computers. Parents with the means to do so hired tutors to make sure their children stayed up on their work, but most children did not have that opportunity and parents were ill-equipped to be at-home tutors. In Philadelphia, 50% of students did not attend any classes at all from March 2020 through the end of the school year. School district policies often require that a child who misses 18 or more days of school in a year must repeat the grade. Through the pandemic, millions of students had missed over twice that many school days, and those days were never made up. Even for those children who were able to connect with online learning, the differences in teaching styles may have further impaired education quality. Cyber teaching models applied three methods. One was called synchronous, that is, all students do the same thing at the same time with the teacher. Then there is asynchronous. Students work more independently on material. And there was also a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous teaching styles. The methods chosen were not about the best teaching methods for the students, but were more about social distancing and health and the ability of the schools to adapt. And remember that when schools did reopen, some were open full-time, some did a split week where half the children attended Monday and Tuesday and the other half on Thursday and Friday, and still other schools split with half the students staying home and half attending classes. Again, the assignments were not based on need or learning style, but with more of an eye to avoiding the spread of COVID and the limitations of school personnel. The impact on children's learning was devastating especially for low-income communities and children with learning disabilities. Children with learning problems already need individually adapted teaching styles. They were, quote, expected to learn new skills without being taught those new skills, unquote, 
according to the Learning Disabilities Association of America. How they process visual versus auditory presented information can make a world of difference in what they learn and how much they learn. But those options were absent for a long time. All of this added to the anxiety of children already anxious about their school struggles. Between the closed days, the choppy education, and the summer months, children lost a great deal of learning and practice for six months. Research tells us the typical three-month summer break impacts learning to the effect of losing 20 to 50% of their school year learning in math and reading from third to eighth grade and losing a greater proportion of gains in the higher grades. It is worse for special needs children and those from lower income homes. The pandemic went on for two years, and the impact continues to hurt our children and schools. Things are a far cry away from being back to normal. A recent report from the National Center for Education Statistics stated that chronic absenteeism, which is defined as missing 10% or more of class days, continues to plague our schools. The pandemic greatly increased absenteeism in the 2021 and 2022 school year. Chronic absenteeism rates have doubled from 8 million to 16 million students. That is a rate of more than one in three students who miss a lot of school days. Regionally, the rates of absenteeism increased a lot at 59% of schools out west, 38 to 39% in the south and northeast, and 45% in the Midwest. That chronic absenteeism not only was from students, but teachers as well. Three quarters of schools in one survey said it was more difficult to get substitute teachers, and three quarters must frequently rely on non-teaching staff and administrators to cover classes. When a child has an excused absence from school, perhaps due to an illness, the school will make efforts to allow for makeup tests, provide extra help, and extend due dates for work. With unexcused absences, however, children may be given failing grades and little chances to make up the work. A California study noted socioeconomically disadvantaged students were far more likely to have unexcused absences from school. Bottom line, for many children, school was not replaced, it stopped. Now, why are they not showing up? Some students got so used to being at home with more relaxed rules, a less demanding schedule, less academic supervision, and more unsupervised free time. In Anne Arundel County near Baltimore, it has been so hard to get school bus drivers that it has been left to some parents to get their children to school, which is not an option for some families given their work schedule. Some children had difficulty with stress levels returning to school. Middle school and high school students have the highest levels of school refusal associated with their mental health. Adolescence is already a higher risk period for social and emotional conflicts. Add to this the higher academic demands, the isolation of the lockdown, and increased rates of emotional burnout, and many students avoid going back to school at all. When students miss school, the impact on their academic performance is significant and sustained. One pre-pandemic study found children with high absenteeism rates are five and a half times more likely to drop out of school. 
Many states reported their dropout rates have climbed significantly during the pandemic. Now, there is a long-term impact here. Lifetime earnings for someone who dropped out of school are estimated to be $260,000 less than someone who has at least finished high school. Now, academically, prior to the pandemic, approximately 36% of students were behind grade level. At the beginning of the 2022-2023 school year, that number had increased to half the students being below grade level. A report from the World Bank on the global impact on children's learning said, quote, school closures, associated lockdowns, and disruptions in service during the course of the pandemic threatened to wipe out decades of progress in building human capital. Targeted policies to reverse the losses in foundational learning, health, and skills are critical to avoid jeopardizing the development of multiple generations, said World Bank Group President David Malpass. He added, Countries need to chart a new course for greater human capital investments to help citizens become resilient. The report went on to say, due to the pandemic, preschool-aged children in multiple countries have lost more than 34% of learning in early language and literacy and more than 29% of learning in math compared to pre-pandemic cohorts. Now, this all has long-term effects on the economy of many nations, their health, their manufacturing base, and in turn, their poverty rates. Developmentally, COVID policies may have contributed to delays in speech and emotional development. Young children depend on facial expressions in their development, but this was interrupted in children who were separated from peers and their interactions and are often around people who were wearing masks. Speech pathologists have raised the concerns that there has been a delay in speech development in toddlers during that time while children were home with parents who anticipated children's needs rather than communicating with peers requiring speech. There is an association between speech development by age two and future academic success. In the area of mental health, rates of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and drug overdoses all increased for adolescents and young adults during and after the lockdown. Suicide is now the number two cause of death in these groups. A longitudinal study funded by the National Institute of Mental Health had been tracking a group of adolescents before and after the pandemic. Not only did the youths report higher incidents of depression and anxiety, but stress was associated with significant changes in their brain structure. Listen to this from the study's report. The sample consisted of 163 adolescents aged 13 to 17 years in San Francisco, California. Half the group was assessed prior to the school shutdowns and the other half after. To narrow in on the impact of the pandemic, the researchers matched participants in the groups on other factors that might affect their mental health and brain development, including age, sex, pubertal status, race and ethnicity, parental education, annual household income, and exposure to early life stress. Participants self-reported their depression and anxiety symptoms in internalizing and externalizing mental health problems. MRI brain scans provided important data on cortical thickness and volume in other parts of the brain areas, such as the amygdala, the hippocampus, and nuclear accumbens. Now, and a little aside here to define these brain parts. The amygdala is the fight-or-flight center of our brain, which activates when we are stressed or threatened. 
The hippocampus is an important part of our memory system, especially in terms of short-term memory shifting into long-term memory. And the nucleus acumens is part of our pleasure and reward system that activates our willpower and motivates us into action. Now, back to the research report. It continued by saying, the researchers also enter the cortical and subcortical brain scans into, the, into machine learning programs developed by the Enigma Brain Age Working Group to calculate participants' overall brain age. That's pretty sophisticated stuff. And here is the results they reported. The two groups differed significantly in both their mental health and brain development. Compared to the pre-pandemic group, adolescents assessed after the pandemic shutdowns reported more symptoms of anxiety and depression and greater internalizing problems. Their brains showed thinning of the cortex, which helps execute mental processes like planning and self-control, and reduced volume in the hippocampus and amygdala, which are involved in accessing memories and regulating responses to fear and stress, respectively. And here are some of the most important findings. The post-shutdown group had older brain ages than adolescents assessed before the pandemic, with neuroanatomical features more typical of older people or those who experienced chronic stress or adversity in childhood. Thus, this study shows an association between COVID-19 pandemic and impaired mental health and maladaptive brain development among adolescents. This study has wide implications. It strongly suggests that with these changes in the architecture of the brain, they may not bounce back readily. The shutdown itself, with its social isolation, school absenteeism, reduced learning, reduced physical exercises, bombardment of fearful media messages, depression and anxiety, may have effects which last for a long time. When a treatment is prescribed for a disease, the doctor must always weigh the advantage and disadvantage of the treatment. For example, a medication may have so many deleterious side effects that the patient will not take it. A surgical procedure could cause an infection. When risks of the treatment can worsen the symptoms of the disease or is worse than the risk of the disease itself, these are referred to as iatrogenic effects of treatment. Clearly, when it comes to our children, we now know the shutdown had several iatrogenic effects on a generation of youth, specifically their mental, emotional, and physical health that was not caused by the COVID-19 virus itself. Although teens had higher rates of COVID compared to some groups of older adults, the severity of their illness was not as marked as with the elderly or with pre-existing medical conditions. As our youth continue to struggle with their mental health, they need steady, compassionate guidance from adults. When any of us are anxious or depressed, we do not think as rationally and may become agitated and demanding. For our youth, with their pre-existing tendency to be more emotional and less rational in their decision-making, that adult mentoring is even more critical. All of this is especially important in an atmosphere where adult influence on youth is waning, with more time spent on the short-term social media messages of TikTok and Instagram. Youth need more adult guidance, not less. Otherwise, we risk the syndrome of the tail wagging the dog and responding impulsively rather than thoughtfully. 
One more area important to mention is the role of faith in recovery from trouble. We know those who have a strong faith and regularly attend religious services do better in their recovery from trauma and may be more resilient to stress. Their religious practices give them a sense of hope and greater confidence in their future. During the lockdown, the churches were closed for the first time in our history. It was a time when people desperately needed a place to gather and pray. Unfortunately, post-pandemic church attendance has declined, and the media messages against religion have increased, along with a tolerance for those who openly attack religious practices and an intolerance for anyone who publicly professes their faith. In other words, there's still a social lockdown against religion in many circles, and this is causing more harm. As we finish this school year and prepare for the next Schools will need to continue to offer more academic support, tutoring, and mental health services for some time. Parents will need to provide a steady hand of guidance. Employers need to be aware of the possible need for additional assistance. Leaders need to thoughtfully plan how we should manage the next medical crisis in order to rebuild confidence in a wary and untrusting public. And scientists will have their work cut out for them to monitor the impact of all of this for years ahead. We are a resilient nation, but our resilience depends on us taking thoughtful action to recover and build that resilience. We must be aware of the impact all of this has had on all of us. Ignoring that impact will make us more vulnerable to repeat the mistakes the next time a crisis hits us. And all of this can be accomplished if we have the humility to admit that there are challenges that lie before us which must be addressed. Many will recover and do well, but large numbers are still struggling, especially among our youth, who were already vulnerable, because the kids are not all right. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future podcasts or blogs, please send them to me through my website, drtimmurphy.com. And please share my website with your friends and family. I'd love to hear from you. You can find more information about trauma in my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, available through my website or wherever books are sold. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. I look forward to speaking with you next time.